This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Aftershocks. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller. I'm a writer, an editor, a runner, a mom, and a dog mom living just outside New York City in Weehawken, New Jersey. Every week on the Alley on the Run show, I talk with inspiring people who lead interesting lives on the run and beyond. While running is what brings us all together, on these episodes, we cover so much more. So join me right here every Thursday to learn about the decisions people have made to get where they are today, the good ones and the bad ones, and how getting sweaty has factored in. For the past few weeks, the world's top runners were competing at world championships in Doha. One of those women was Roberta Groner. If you don't already know Roberta's story, you'll very quickly gather on this episode what makes her so remarkable. So let me just give you a quick by the numbers. Roberta is 41 years old. She has three sons and she lives in New Jersey where she works as a full-time nurse. So professional runner, one of the world's best, also working full-time while raising three kids. Roberta was so excited to get to represent the United States in the marathon at Worlds. Even knowing just how hot it would be in Doha, the marathon started at midnight. At that time, it was 90 degrees with 73% humidity. But that did not deter Roberta from having an amazing race. She finished sixth. She was the first American across the line. And of the 68 women who started the race, Roberta was one of just 40 finishers. She's an amazing woman. She's only getting faster and stronger, and her season is nowhere near over. Roberta is racing the TCS New York City Marathon in just a few weeks, and after that, she'll be running the Olympic Trials in Atlanta in February. Whew! Wow. Please enjoy this conversation with the ever-inspiring Roberta Groner. Roberta Groner, you are our American hero in the marathon right now. We have so much to talk about today. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. Thank you for having me, Ali, and thank you for the very kind words. <laughs> I mean, American hero. I think you should get that tattooed somewhere. Yeah, I've heard that and I've heard Supermom, so hashtag Supermom. Oh, so it came out. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that too. My gosh, you're my idol in so many different ways. But before we get into all the good stuff, I'm putting you on the spot right away. We start this off with a nice, easy warm up. So just warm up our crowd here. Tell everyone who you are, where you're from, Jersey Girl, and what it is that you do. Okay, so my name is Roberta Groner. Um, actually, originally from the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, I moved to New Jersey five years ago. Um, so I live in Morris County, uh, Ledgewood Randolph area, and I am a nurse, mother, marathon runner. <laughs> yeah, one heck of a well, one heck of all of those things. But we'll get into the marathon stuff first. So you are very fresh off a killer race at World Championships almost fresh off the plane from Doha, but you're already back at work and all that good stuff. I need to know, and I know everyone's asking this question, how hot was it really <laughs> in Doha? Let, we need to talk about the heat. Okay. So it was hot. I mean, getting off, I'll give my first impression when I got off the shuttle bus to the hotel, it felt like I was breathing through a straw. Oh. <laughs> um, and that was about 6 p.m. at night. 
um, this, so the temperature didn't change much during like the couple of days that I was there beforehand before the race. So, um, but for the marathon, yeah, so it was about 90 degrees at the start with, I think high, hum- you know, 73% humidity, I think I heard. So, um, I remember on my Strava, at least it said feel like 106 when I was racing. Oh so, my God. and so, I mean, we knew when they said that the world championships were going to be in Doha in September, October, we knew it would be hot. How did the reality compare to whatever expectations you had? You know, um, I didn't know what to expect, honestly, but when we were getting briefed on maybe like normal temperatures at the end of September, they were saying it would be more like in the upper 70s, low 80s. So I kind of went in with that expectation. But then you start looking two weeks out, maybe curious, you know, start looking at the weather like you do any marathon. I'm like, this isn't looking like the temperature is going to go below, you know, 88, 89. But I mean, I, you know, when you, like I said, when you're, when you're selected for something like this, you just go in and you have to prepare yourself the best you can, you know, in all aspects, physically and mentally. So, and is there anything that you did leading up to the race to specifically prepare yourself for that heat? I mean, how do you prepare yourself for that running in like 14 sweatsuits? <laughs> I know. So, you know, in New Jersey, New York in the summer, humidity is not an issue, right? We have high humidity almost every day. Um, so in the summer training, I kept it to pretty much running my second run midday, um, so that I tried to get at least an hour in or 45 minutes into an hour of hot, you know, upper eighties, 90 degree running if I could. And then once the fall came or it wasn't even really fall yet, but September came, the weather started to change and I run a lot in the morning because of being, you know, having a full-time job. So that's when the layers started to come in. So wearing layers, um, and still like on my second run, I would, I would wear layers starting the last three weeks. I I wore layers no matter what, whatever the temperature was, I just decided to just put the layers on. Um, I don't know if it really, I mean, I'm sure it helps. Um, but when we got there and we ran at midnight on for the first three nights, it was like the first night was pretty shocking, you know? So you're totally that person that someone saw you on one of your runs, went home and tweeted and was like, oh my gosh, I just saw this woman running in ear warmers and mittens in the middle of August. It didn't get that extreme, but I was kind of joking that I wish I had a pair of gray sweatpants that I could like, you know, (laughs) put up to my knees, you know? (laughs) But I felt like that. I was like kind of teased with some running friends, like I'm the total newbie out on the uh, roads. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, not a new. Yeah. Um, so you just mentioned that when you got there, you went for a couple runs at midnight. So talk to me about once you landed in Doha, what did that look like the couple days leading up to the race? Yeah, so they were pretty low key. Um, I roomed with Carrie Dimoff, and uh, so we were, we decided to stay on our like on like a USA schedule kind of East Coast time at least. So got off the plane. It was kind of like a little bit of a rush get to the hotel and then like every day they would take the team members over to get accreditation for, you know, access to get into practice facilities, the events and everything. So I did that. And then we wanted to go out and we, we planned, decided to run every night around race time. So, um, which was fine. So we kind of stayed on that schedule. We went out about like 11, 1130 with our assistant coach. And we kind of first night was more like, um, seeing the course, but we couldn't get on the course cause it was still open to traffic the first two nights. So we kind of just ran along the promenade Al Cornish area, like the water and got a good visual of the course itself. So, um, and so pretty much we stayed up till at least five or six in the mornings and then slept through the day <laughs> and then started our day, um, the next day, the same way where we just, uh, you know, had a meeting and then, um, did the same thing, ran at night. And then we were fortunate enough 
the night before the marathon, they had they had the course closed down to the traffic, so we were able to get on the road and run the, the at least the full seven k course and get that visual better visual. So obviously, staying on that time schedule helped in terms of you know once it was race day and you were starting at midnight. When you first heard that you would be racing at midnight, what went through your head? Was that surprising or was it like yeah okay I'm down? Yeah, it didn't really, I guess it didn't really affect me too much. I figured when I thought about it and just thought about the seven hour difference, I just said, well, it'll just be easy enough to stay on if I can mentally just make it feel like close to evening time. And it didn't, I don't think it ever, for me at least, played a, played a factor. Um, maybe because I was over there for the three days. But yeah, I thought it would be interesting to run, you know, at nighttime uh, under the lights. So, you know, and like I said, it's world championships. So. Not too often you get to go and represent your country. So we just try to take it all in. So did you do anything differently to prep for a midnight race? Like, you know, normally we wake up, we have breakfast and it's go time. What yeah. did your, the day leading up to the race look like? Yeah. So the, um, you know, ideally I wanted to stay up again till like five, six in the morning and sleep until at least three or four. But, you know, I think adrenaline starts to kick in a little bit. We know we never sleep well the night before a big race. Um, so I went to bed around like three or four in the morning and then I did have to get up to meet like we were like there was like labeling for bottles that the, that the IWAF was preferring us to use. So it was like kind of like, hey, someone needs to meet, come down to the lobby at noon. So like I woke up around noon. So I got like seven, eight hours of sleep. And the idea was to go back and take a nap around five or six p.m. But that didn't happen, <laughs> which was completely fine. Um but I spent the day, actually, I, I feel like for me, and so I don't know how everybody is, I, I, I'm very relaxed. I don't get nervous. And what I think I just do is just try to stay in the moment. So I think my, my, my boyfriend was, came in on Thursday. So Friday we relaxed and then we actually went to the pool, um, just chilled, like stayed in the pool, stayed cool, got in the hot tub, um, relaxed for a while. I stayed off of social media for the most part. And, um, then we came back to the hotel in a room and kind of got my bottles ready. And he made this, um, sign for me with all my little quotes on it. And, uh, then it was go time. So that was our day. So it was pretty low key. Can we go back to the part where you said you went in the hot tub? I did. Did it feel hot or was it colder than the air? It felt hot actually. Okay. It felt hot. Um, <laughs> I know we went in the hot tub, but like maybe for like 10 minutes and then you would go into the pool and the pool would feel really cold compared to what it really felt like if you just went in the pool. You know what I'm saying? Cause oh, yeah. we went in the pool the first time. I'm like, this is like bath water. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it was, that was the only time I went outside during the day was to the pool. You know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. it was like, a, it feels like 122 there during the day or something crazy like oh, that. So Oh, all right. So let's talk goals going yeah. into the race. What were your goals? So, you know, with it being, you throw the times out the window, right? There was no time goal because we all knew that it was going to be a hot race. Me and Steve, my Magnus, my coach, we didn't really set any goals, but in the back of my head, I had a goal, but I just didn't tell anybody my goal. And I thought I, my goal was to finish between top eight and top 10. I just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> well, we know now and spoiler alert, you, uh, yeah, you surpassed yeah. that goal. <laughs> um, and I think once I got there, I mean, there's always some part in the back of your mind where there's a little, like, because the weather was so hot, it was just being smart and being safe and not hurting myself. Cause that, you know, so really it just became like, let's make this a con- like conservative start. Let's do everything we can do to make this 
you know, to the finish line, but healthy. So that was the priority, honestly. Um, so we came up with a plan, a race plan, you know, hydration and, uh, ice. And I, 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 we, my boyfriend and I came up with, or he came up with the headband idea with ice in it. So that was like a last minute thing. So. All right. So let's walk through the race first. The first thing that, well, not the first thing that you get to do, but at some point before the race, you get to put on that team USA Mm -hmm. kit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How does that feel? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I don't know if you saw it. I mean, like, I feel like I was glowing in the pictures because it's such an, you know what I mean? It's an honor. And like, I didn't see myself ever being here two years ago. Yes. I know, you know, the way that we're, we're selected. I know there are faster women in our country, you know, but you know, it came down to them choosing not to. And why wouldn't I, if I had the opportunity? So, you know, putting on that, like that race gear is, was pretty exciting. Cause I, I had, you know, of course tried on the shorts, but never put on the race top really, except for trying it on. So it was like this big moment where, and I'm never going to wear it again. Like I'm going to frame it <laughs> because to me, it's something for my kids to, you know, have, but no, very exciting. Um, like I said, everything leading up to like race moment went so quickly, you know, that last hour and a half of like getting in the lobby, meeting with your teammates and then getting on the shuttle and getting there, you know, it was like a big process, but it was very exciting though. And, uh, um, just try to keep, like, I just, you know, you want to like slow it down a little bit so you can remember it all, you know? Do you listen to music or anything on your way to the start? Um, generally I do for marathons, but I didn't take my phone this time. Um, my boyfriend had my phone so that he's not on a social media. So he was using my accounts to keep people updated. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. I was refreshing like a crazy person. He did a yeah, great job. Yeah. So I had no phone. So I had no music. I mean, I could have took my Apple watch, but I just didn't want, I wasn't going to wear my Apple watch during the race. So I was like, you know what? Like I don't need music. So just relax. So, but generally I do listen to music, but I didn't before this one. So. So talk to me about the start of this race when it's a race like world championships and you really only have you know, maybe three women from each respective country there competing. How is that different than lining up at, say, a New York City marathon, a CIM, a mm. Chicago, like, you know, one of those marathons? I mean, How did it feel different? It didn't, for me, like, when I think of, like, New York last year, you know, your elite field that starts is roughly 40, 45 women. And so when we're up there alone at the start, it's kind of how it felt for this, you know what I mean? but in like a world level, you know, so obviously all different countries, I don't know all the runners, like usually in the U S field, like, you know, most people and it's like, Hey, how are you? You know? So it was kind of like, no one was really talking. Although actually we ended up, we were sitting next to the Canadian women. So we were all talking back and forth about having ice in places that we usually don't have ice in at the start of a race. <laughs> but it was, um, you yeah, know, it was a very, um, like I said, like you just try to take it all in. But like I said, for me, it's not like starting in the general, crowd where there's thousands of people, you know, because I haven't really started that way in a while for most races. All right. So I need you to walk me through the race because I love, I love a race recap and I love all the specifics. So walk me through it. How are you feeling at the start? Tell me about lap one. Okay. So, um, lap one, um, you know, obviously I'm not, I'll go step back, I'll step back, but I'm not a fan of running in a big crowd. Like, it makes me nervous because I think people are going to trip. So I'm really not the most comfortable in it. So, but I didn't want to start out front. So I was like, just kind of stay back. So stay back, stay in control. And then Carrie came up and people have been asking me, Oh, did you and Carrie have a race plan to race together? And we never talked about running together. 
Um, but she came up next to me and we just started like talking about like what pace we thought we should go for. And then we just said, let's see it. Let's work together and see how long we can do this. So, you know, it was very nice. We were doing kilometer splits and, and we were talking and then we, you know, we had a moment where we're just like, we have to live, like just soak it in. It's lap one. We're all going slow. Like we're at worlds. How exciting is this? Look at the skyline, you know, just taking the moment. So we did that. And, um, and also, I, like I said, I had a sign, my boyfriend made the sign. And so every lap, I had a different mantra or quote. So my first one was be anxious of anxious of nothing and grateful of all things. And that's exactly what I did on that first lap, you know, just, you know, that all you gotta say is that phrase, and you just know what it means, you know, so that was my first lap. Super exciting. I think I was giving high fives and not high fives, but I was giving thumbs up and smiles. So, And where was he stationed? Was he right at the start of each lap? No, he was, um, I don't know if you know, if you saw the course, but you know, I was like, not, not that it's a figure eight, but where we actually crossed over to Got the yep. other side, it's a smaller part of the course. He was there. So he saw me twice in like a thousand meters or so, you know, so he was able to see me twice. All right. So you had time to really take in the sign, yeah. take in the message. Okay. So yeah. lap two, what's the, what's the message on lap two? How are you feeling at this point? So lap two is all about kids and family. It's kids and family are gem. So are gems. So it was just thinking about my family and my children and just again, how important this is for me and them and you know what I do. Um, and so lap two, I don't, I don't recall is still like a nice, easy pace. We were just clicking along and I think the crowd kind of, you know, the, the runners started spreading out and there was the more aggressive pack in the front. And I think, I don't even know what place we were at at that time. We didn't even care. Honestly, we we're just like, let's be smart. Let's stay smart. You know, keep the pace going. I think we were just shooting around six minute pace, you know, and uh, making sure we got our hydration every time we, you know, we we're very, very, very big on making sure we drank all of what we had in our bottles. So just taking your time, I made sure I had small, for me, I have smaller hands. So I use the eight ounce hydration pack, you know, like when you people use the belts. So my bottles are those little eight ounce hydration packs or hydration bottles. So I would just carry it. I, I, I honestly could tell you through the whole race, I don't know when I didn't have a bottle in my hand. Like I always seem to have one in my hand, just making sure I was drinking. So like I said, so second lap was just still kind of reiterating me and Carrie together, keeping the pace nice and slow and um, making sure we're getting our hydration in and just enjoying the moment too. And then I think by the third lap is when we started like picking some people off. And um, my third lap, I think it's, what was it? It's kiss friendship. It's golden. You know, so it was about my friends. Um, so just like we would talk about the mantras, like Carrie would be like, what's the, what's the third lap? Cause I told her about the sign oh. on the first uh, lap. So she would, be, she would ask me. So then she'd be running for the same thing. Plus she was running for her family and friends too. So, so that was fun. And it just started to get hard. I think at three and a half is when we kind of separated a little bit. Um, for the first time we went to our personal refreshment stand to get our, our bottles and, um, you know, I was getting my head my headbands at that one point, so I would always switch out the headband for a new headband with the ice in it. And then next thing I know, she wasn't really beside me, and I called back. I said, you know, come on, let's go. Like, let's keep going. And she said, no, you go. Like, and that's always a hard moment, you know, um, because you're hoping that maybe the other person, it's your teammate. Even though we're all racing, it's still your teammate. Um, so it was that moment of, do I go or do I stay back and see if she can recover a little bit? But I was feeling good at that point and we were starting to, to pick people off. So I said, you know what? I just got to go. So I went. So, and at that point, was any part of you like, 
I don't want to be running alone or you seem like you're pretty confident in that. Yeah. I mean, I'm confident in it because I think with racing in a lot of these bigger races and where I'm at with my times, a lot of times I am running alone for 10 miles or so of it. So that doesn't bother me so much, but you know, with the heat and humidity, you know, it's mentally gets to you. So running alone, you know, obviously having her beside me and us giving, you know, we by the third lap, we weren't talking so much, but we would still check in with each other. You know, how are you feeling? Everybody okay? You know, um, but I knew it was going to be a, a, a long haul for, I still had over, you know, less than half of the race, but not much, you know, I still had like three loops at least. So like two and a half to three loops. So I mean, all I'm thinking here is I'm like, Roberta, it's midnight, it's hot out, it's dark, you're alone. Like, I'm I'm glad I know that it worked out okay for you, but that yeah. sounds scary. Actually, didn't even feel like we were running at midnight because it was so bright on the course. And, you know, I mean, I, I thought like, I thought there was more crowd there than what I was expecting. So to me, it wasn't too bad. Like, there were some laws where there weren't too many people, but, but at that point I really felt like it was, you know, I had to go. And so I, I, you know, for like a lap, like the next lap and a half, I felt pretty good. Um, and then getting into that last lap, it, it really started to sink, you know, everything started to hurt and, you know, the heat was kicking in and I was getting a little concerned. Um, you know, I had some passing people, but I knew because of the way the course is, you can see people, you know, when you're taking turns and there was a Japanese woman and I could tell she was, getting closer and closer to me. And I'm not one to like, to, no one likes to be passed at the end of a race, <laughs> but um, it was really hard. I had to dig really deep that last lap to, uh, to not let her pass me. Cause at one point mentally, I think I, I hate to admit that I was a little weak, but there was a moment where I was like, at this point it hurts. So bad. I hurt, I'm hurting. Maybe it's not so bad if I'm seventh place, but the last thousand meters I ended up passing somebody like I saw someone ahead of me and I guess in my head I thought it was the fifth place woman but I was actually lapping somebody but in that moment it made me turn that second gear and like kind of kick it to the end and I actually ended up not getting passed by the Japanese woman so so did you have people giving you updates along the way telling you what place you were in yeah like like we had my like our team USATF had some coaches and support on the on the um like around the course generally more towards the start finish area um, but I had ideas, but you know, I didn't know, like I said, I saw this person in the last thousand meters and I was like, you know, I kind of was like delusional too. And I just was like, Oh, just go like, you know, get that person. So, but I hadn't, I knew I was sixth place, um, going into the last lap. All right. So you crossed that finish line, finishing sixth <laughs> yeah. on the world stage, yeah. first American to cross the line. What does that feel like? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, I'm definitely not one to usually show too much emotion crossing a finish line, but I mean, that last 100 to 200 meters, um, I thought about my children, you know, my family, all the hard work, um, you know, I did put into this race. So I had a lot of people doubt or question why I'm doing this race in New York. And it was just this moment of like, you know, this is why I do what I do. And I wake up every morning at 4.35 in the morning and I run crazy amounts and, you know, I sacrifice, you know, to do this. And yeah, just a moment, like, you know, they had the sparklers going and, um, no, I was just super proud to represent my country. And I thought I, I did us proud. You know, I think, you know, American women are gritty. I, I, I really feel like, you know, we, we hang tough and, you know, you know, we not, we don't might not be like the fastest runners, but we always show up, you know? All right. Well, let's talk about this marathon schedule. And I think it's interesting that you said that people are questioning and I'd love to hear more about that, but 
you know, you get this opportunity to go to Doha. Of course, you're not going to turn that down. It's world championships. But then you're also racing New York, which now is just a couple weeks away. And then you'll run the trials, which is in February. So a lot of big, exciting races and quick turnarounds. Tell me about that decision, which came first and why yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) Well, obviously the trials was known for a while. Mm -hmm. I qualified, I guess, I guess back in CIM, right? I mean, officially qualified the first time. Um, um, And then, you know, after Rotterdam, you know, you sit and think about what you're going to do. Am I going to do a fall marathon, not do a fall marathon? At that time, I ha- when there was that whole Olympic A standard thing, I had gotten the 229.30 at Rotterdam, so I didn't have to do a fall marathon. Um, but I love New York. Like, it's home, you know, relative. It feels like home to me. I run for New York Athletic Club. I'm always in the city running races. And I had such an amazing time last year, and I started talking to my coach and my agent, and I said, I think I want to do New York in the fall. Um, I think it's good to have another marathon under belt. You know, it's always like you're, it's almost like you're always building, you know, you're learning, you're building a base. Every marathon is different. It's an experience. So, um, so we sat down and we, you know, talked with New York. And uh, so I, I think that was probably at the end of April, I guess that officially, you know, quiet, but you know, officially said New York. And then mid May is when I got the email from USATF you know, asking to be part of the world's team. And in that email, in that moment, I already knew, yes, I may have had some pushback, not to say pushback, but some like, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I would talk to, you know, my coach or my agent, no, I don't know, you know, New York, it's going to be hot, it's going to be hard to do. And um, by that evening, I actually already uh, committed to it. So <laughs> I may have not told everybody now this is on <laughs> I, I committed to it because I knew in my heart I could not pass up the opportunity for me, my children, you know, to represent the country. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm 41. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. So I don't know. I mean, I would love to think that in two years I'm still at this level, but I don't know. So I had to. And so when it all came down and I said yes, and then I was like, well, why can't I do New York afterwards? Like, I'm one to stick to my word. Like once I commit to something, I didn't, you know what I mean? I was like, if New York is okay with it and they're, you know, okay with worlds, like I would like to do both. So. So when you're at the level that you're at, I have to imagine that every race, especially every big marathon is you're running to have your best day out there. So what will the, the goal, the plan, the hopes be for New York with this quick turnaround with the trials coming up soon after? Yeah. Is it another goal race? Is it a, I, you know, I don't want to say a fun run. Um, <laughs> Are you no, going to be galloping be, out there? It's going to be a fun run. I mean, there's still like, you know, um, no, it's not going to be a fun run. I don't know. Like I'm in my first week of recovery, you know, we're taking it easy this week, just letting the body heal. I've never done two marathons in five weeks. So this is a new experience for me. Um, so just making sure I get to the, the line healthy and we're just like, you know, obviously we're hoping that a marathon, you know, you rebound, you know, you're, it's like, you know, running a long run. So hoping that, you know, I'm going to get a benefit from that out of for the next marathon. Um, you know, I don't have to, I guess at this point to me, there's no nothing to prove, not that you go to prove it, but I know what you're saying. You know, like you go to run your best. I don't, my best is going to be in Atlanta. Like I'm not saying maybe Atlanta doesn't give the best time, but the best effort is going to be in Atlanta. I'm still going to step to the line in New York and run really hard because I'm a competitor. I can't not run hard, but I don't know what will happen. Right. So does that make sense? Yeah. And I love yeah. that. So I had to laugh because when we first talked about recording this a couple of days ago, yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, like 
touch base with me when you're back home. We'll figure something out. You're like, oh, I'm already back. I already worked today. Like yeah. I'm, I'm here. And this was like 48 hours after finishing yeah. your midnight yeah. marathon and getting yeah. sixth place. You know, that quick turnaround back to East Coast time, at least in theory, back to parenting, back yeah. to working full time. Yeah. Is that something you're used to at this point, bouncing back to real life pretty immediately after doing these crazy <sighs> badass mean, things on the road? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of happens that way. Um, I think after Rotterdam, I did have a couple of days. I, I think because the race was a Sunday, I didn't go home until like Wednesday. So I had a few days afterwards, a little bit more time to like soak in it in. But you know, it's just my reality. It is my life. And you know what? I don't know if I didn't do what I do. Like, I don't know if I could just sit around. Like, I mean, not saying it wouldn't be fun to be there and still be watching the track and field events. It would be great. It was an amazing atmosphere, but this is just my life. So yeah, I'm just kind of used to it. Um, I think sometimes like the hardest part maybe is once you come back to kind of what you call your reality is that, you know, I'm at this level with like, you know, you know, all the social media and like, you know, just living in the moment. And then it's like, I'm a nurse and I'm at work (laughs) (laughs) giving out flu shots. Um, you know, which like I said, I love what I do, but you know, I think with any marathon, I think we all experience the highs and then the kind of, I guess they call it the marathon blues or, you know, you have a moment afterwards where you're like, well, that was like, you know, you, you build up to it and now it's over. (laughs) Yeah. And now you got to wash the kit and frame it which yep. is still pretty cool, but yeah. you know, wearing it is exciting too. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I'm still, now I'm wearing like all the rest of the gear, you know, because yeah. <laughs> I have like so much, I'm like today in the park, it was like raining. And I was like, Oh, rain jacket, get the rain jacket out. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, do your coworkers get it? Do they know exactly what you're off doing? Yeah. I mean, they do to some extent they do. I mean, um, you know, working in a, a health organization, you do get like, you know, I have you know people that reach out to me. I am not one to, you know, I don't know. I'm, I just, I think most runners are we're humble. I think for the most part, I don't just don't talk a lot about it. Or if I say, like I say, I run, I don't say, Oh, you know, I was 12th at New York or things like that. So sixth in the world, sixth in the world, but no, I mean, I going into this race, I mean, they all knew, um, what level was that? So coming back was kind of exciting. They're like, you know, my one doctor's from Israel. She's like, you even made the paper in Israel. (laughs) So, um, so no, I think, I think at this point they do get, you know, to some level, you know, with not having a real big background in like marathoning or road running. So well, if you won't brag about yourself, I would be happy to just drive a little bit south after your next big race and show up at your office with like a huge cake and just tell everyone like, this is Roberta Croner. She's super badass. And I'll just yeah. rattle off all your stats yeah. if you want. I'll just need a guest pass good. or an appointment yeah. for the day. Great. Yeah, I can do that for you. <laughs> and give me my flu shot while I'm there because I yeah, may as I well, get- right? Yep. Perfect. Two birds. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I know you said that you've never done, obviously, the five-week transition between Mm -hmm. marathons, but have you and Steve talked at all about what the next five weeks will look like? Do you, you know, do you taper, build, taper, recover? Like, any yeah. idea of what that's going to look like? You know what? I, I just leave it all in his hands. Love trust that. the process. Um, so this week, you know, we just talked briefly. Um, we haven't talked, but we've texted a couple of times. Um, so just an easy week this week of uh, 40-ish kind of miles, get the legs. Um, by the end of the week, you know, do a couple strides with my runs. So I'm just trying to take it easy. I've, you know, put in almost 20 miles so far. Um, legs are feeling better each day. And that's just the, the key, right? Like recover and don't injure yourself. And then I'm sure the next two, 
to three weeks will build up again um, and then come down. But I don't take, I mean, we tapered obviously for worlds, but I was still the week before worlds, I was still at 80 miles with a week, you know, like a week out. So um, it's not like I like a drastic taper, you know, um, the week of the worlds, I didn't run that much, but uh, still ran like, I think like 30 miles before the race. So for the week, but it's a Friday race. So it's kind of different, you know? Um, does the recovery feel any different? Obviously, you still ran so mm-hmm. fast, but you know the effort was a bit different for the heat. Yeah. yeah. Did the recovery feel different? I mean, I think I'm gonna. I mean, I'm hoping that I'm gonna recover a little bit quicker um, because, yeah, I mean, I think on a, you know, I know that the, the heat and humidity takes it out of you, um, but a two thirty eight, you know, a six oh five pace for me for twenty six miles, I, I could do that on a long run, you know, generally like a 24 miler and recover and do workouts two days later. So, um, I'm hoping, you know, that, you know, recovery will come quicker. So, all right. So you've thrown down these incredible race times you've run Mm -hmm. on our world team, still no big shoe sponsor, (laughs) Roberta. What is going on with that? I don't know, but you know what? I don't stress about anything or worry because like for me, it's just, I just love to do what I'm doing. So if one comes, it doesn't change my life. Like nothing, you know what I mean? You know, I, I just, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain, but yeah, I mean, I don't think about it really. I know people think of, I think people, more people outside of me think about it, like me getting a sponsorship of some sort, but to me, um, it's not going to change me either way. So if one comes that fits fits me. Cause I think that's the key. I'm not going, I don't want to just, you know, have a sponsorship with this company or that company just because it has to also fit my lifestyle and my beliefs. So I love that. And that was going to be my next question is if you, you know, you get the call from some big company saying, Hey, we're giving you some money and a lot of free shoes. Are you still 8am going in and giving your flu shots the next day? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, let's be realistic too. I mean, at, at my age, I don't know how many more years I've left in my, my career and my children are my most important things. You know what I mean? So I have to provide for them. I am a, you know, divorced slash single mother. So, um, I have to provide for my children. So, um, you know, n- being a nurse and then, you know, I, I am a registered nurse and I, I had started going back to school for my master's in January. Um, but I have put that on the side, side burner only temporarily, but only because I can't do everything. I guess I'm not superhuman. <laughs> uh, you're still superhuman. And I was having some anxiety for Rotterdam and I think only because it was like, I like to give my all in everything. And I wasn't really felt like I was giving my all in the nursing program. It was kind of like just doing it because I was doing it. So I said, let me know what running is going to go away at some point, And then I'll finish my master's degree. So not that running is going to go away, but maybe not be at the level that it is right now. So, so what would that change getting your master's in terms of your career? So I would, my, I would be in the nurse practitioner. So for, I would be um, like under a doctor's practice, but prescribing, assessing, um, having my own patients. So that's the goal to work in a family practice setting, um, as a nurse practitioner. Oh, so you get your own little, little pad and everything. I love that. So that's the goal. So, um, it will take about two and a half years once I go back into it. It's just, like I said, it's, you have to really put the time and effort into it and, um, I was, I thought maybe I could get through the five first five easier courses while running at this level, but it was too hard. So we'll go back though. 
I also feel like the easier courses in a program like that are probably not actually very easy. I mean, maybe for you they're easy, but Mm -hmm. I don't don't think I would do so well. Yeah. (laughs) My nursing career will never go away. Plus, I love what I do. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Aftershocks. Here's a funny story. Well, I thought it was funny. You may know that I love working out at Orange Theory. Well, before class earlier this week, a bunch of us were chatting in the lobby and this one woman was talking about a recent 10 mile race she had done. She said she doesn't normally run with headphones and immediately my friend Monica turns to me all excited and mouths aftershocks. Made me laugh for a few reasons. First, that the mere mention of the word headphones made Monica think of aftershocks. Second, that thinking of aftershocks made her think of me. And yes, obviously we need to get this woman a pair of aftershocks. But it's a true testament to the power of these headphones and I couldn't be more proud to preach about them every single week on this show. I would never have worked with a brand for this long, what's it been, like two years and counting, if I didn't truly believe in and use the product every single day. Unlike my friend in the lobby at Orange Theory, I always run with headphones, and it's not just because I like listening to music and podcasts on the run. It's also because Aftershocks' wireless headphones, like the all-new Aeropex, fit seamlessly into my running life. I charge them once, and they last just about all week. A single charge gives them eight full hours of battery life. They sync to my phone in an instant, so I'm not sitting around waiting for them to connect. And then when I'm running, they're so comfortable and light. They're weather resistant, so if it rains, the Aeropex are just fine. They don't move around at all. The sound quality is amazing. Plus, I love that they wrap around my ears instead of being jammed inside them. I truly believe that running with Aftershocks headphones is the only way to safely run with headphones, period. So... You should get some, obviously. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com to get $50 off your Aeropex Endurance Bundle. You'll get these amazing headphones plus loads of other goodies that will serve you so well on the run. That's ontherun.aftershocks.com for $50 off. Let's get back to the show. All right, so I want to go back in time. For anyone Mm -hmm. who hasn't done a Roberta Groner deep dive, (laughs) let's give everyone the background because you do have a really remarkable running story, which, you know, if we go back to seventh grade, if we can, (laughs) you start running in seventh grade, but you told my dear friends at Lululemon Garden State Plaza that you didn't really appreciate running at the time. So then you run in college, you take a break, you're not feeling the passion, you're not feeling the, the love and the excitement. Talk to me about taking that break and what brought you back to running. Yeah, I mean, I took the break. It was my senior year of college. Um, I was struggling a little bit. I was in physical therapy program at that point, and it was a master's program. And your fourth year kind of transitions into being pretty serious. And they didn't really like athletes still running or doing their sport. They wanted you to focus on academics. Um, but I chose to still do cross country. And um, so I struggled a little bit, little bit in the academic world at school. And then I had a, uh, my stepbrother passed away unexpectedly at that fall. So a lot of things were happening. And so I chose to leave that college that fall after this all happened. So, and at that point I just stopped running. I, like I said, it wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't, desire of mine. It wasn't fun anymore. So yeah, I stopped for about 10 years, um, married, got my nursing degree, um, had three children and life was busy. And then after the third child, about, he was like two years old roughly. And I decided to do something, just get out of the house, run for a half hour or do, I, I don't know what the process was, but it was, I think it was a colleague at work 
or nurses and she was a little bit younger and she was at her back, you know, she had ran cross country and track and she's like, let's go for a run or let's do the Pittsburgh half marathon. And that's kind of where it started from. So started running and uh, did the Pittsburgh half marathon in 2010 and then just kind of went from there. So 2011, yes. you run Chicago, you uh-huh. run a 312, the Chicago yes. marathon that is, you run a yes. 312, four years later, New uh-huh. York, 245, two years after that, 2.30 at CIM. I told you I've done the reward deep dive. <laughs> so you've chipped away at this time from 3.12, yeah. 2.45, 2.30, and then, you know, Rotterdam, yeah. you come in under 2.30, you run a 2.29. It's just mm-hmm. amazing. You're getting, oh, I mean, we're all getting older. You're getting faster. Talk to mm-hmm. me about how you've chipped away at that time. You know, I think, you know, obviously first marathon, you know, I'm probably putting in 40 to 50 miles, if that training for a marathon, you know, just leisurely doing it with a group of people in Pittsburgh. I mean, I, you know, that's where it came from. I never even wanted to do a marathon, um, but I met this running group and there's my two friends I trained with. Um, they said, we're, we're all running you know, Chicago 2011, you should do it with us. And I was like, oh, it sounds like fun, actually. Like a group of people are going, it would be fun. Um, so anyways, so, it, you know, where it went from there, obviously I qualified for Boston. And then, you know, when you qualify for Boston, it's like your training gets a little bit more aggressive, you know, I'm like, I'm doing 60 miles a week, you know, get a little more serious, had a personal trainer. Um, so then like, as it progressed, I moved to New Jersey and then in the New Dirt, the New Jersey running scene is completely different than where I lived in Pittsburgh. I mean, I come out here and there's race teams and there's Grand Prix series and like all these competitive people. And I just happened to hook up with like a runner or two that was training for, I think he was training for New York. I wasn't running, but it just got me back into shape again. And um, so I started running, let me say like more miles. We did the Hanson program for two years. I was, I don't know if you're familiar with, but the Hanson's like mm-hmm. program. So I did that for two years and, and then I, I dropped down to a 237 at Mohawk Hudson in 2016. And that's kind of where things really, I was like shooting for an Olympic standard for 2020, for like the 245 was the goal. <laughs> and then I hit a 237.54. And then that's where it kind of got more aggressive. I got my first coach. Um, Hector Matos was my first coach here in New Jersey. And for two years, we worked at it. You know, he, we got down to the 230 at CIM. And it was just more mileage. Um, starting to get more serious with the workouts um, and increasing the mileage really, I think what is what does it. So, and the consistent, I think also the consistency of just every training cycle you you're building upon the last one. I love all of that. And I have to laugh at two things that you said that so stand out to me as a good representation of runners. The first is that all your friends were running this marathon and you said, that sounds fun. And that's what got you into it. And then that you're rattling off that you've done so many marathons at this point and that you know your time from a marathon six years ago down to the second. I I love that. I mean, for the most part, sometimes I forget a little bit. I'm like, don't quote me on that. It could be off a second or two. But um, the last, the, the key ones I do know, you know, the ones were that all of a sudden, like, like I said, I would, in 2015 at New York, when I ran the 245.30, the st- I wasn't even looking to qualify for the Olympic trials. Um, I was just looking to run like a fast time or, you know, a good time for me. Um, and I think at that point in New York, the standard B was 243. And then they changed it after New York back to 245. Oh. 
And I was 2.45.30 at New York, and I had all these people saying, oh, you should go run another marathon. I'm like, no way. Like, you know, I'll just try for 20, uh, 2020. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun goal to get um, to get in the trials. So that's where Marathon Girl 245, my hashtag or my handle feed for Twitter came in, and I get people all the time, my close friends here, who are like, when are you going to change that? <laughs> yeah, you got to update that. Marathon Girl 229. I know. Which has a I good know. ring to it. So. <laughs> If we're going to talk about the key marathons, we have to talk about Rotterdam in April. You run Mm -hmm. a 229. You become only the third American woman over 40 to ever break 230 in the marathon. You're in good company there with Dina Castor. Yes. Talk to me. You know, you mentioned the consistency building over time. (laughs) What are you doing to ensure your longevity in this sport? Oh, I think for me, it's... um... And it sounds sounds silly, but I think it's the no I like the I don't put pressure and I live my life outside of running. Does that make sense? Like it's not constantly on my mind. Um I have a life, I have children, I have a boyfriend, you know, like I like to do other things. So I think that is what keeps it going for me. And I don't I don't know what to say. I don't put a lot of pressure on that day. Like if it happens, great, but like I said, I think the big key for me is that knowing the hard work I put in up to that day, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I still put in all the hard work. So I'd be proud. So let's say it's peak week you're training mm-hmm. for. We'll say it's the trials. Mm-hmm. And you get a call from the kids' school. Mm-hmm. You've got not one, not two. All three kids are sick. You got to mm-hmm. call out of work. You got to pick them up. <laughs> okay. You got to take them home. You got to yeah. take care. It's, you know, it's chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Unplanned chaos. And you haven't gotten in your very important tempo run for the uh-huh. day. Talk to me about what happens there because you seem chill, laid back one day at a time. That's Uh, life happening. What does that look like? Yeah, that would, I mean, it would probably look like move it to the next day if I could. Or if I can't, you can't. You just move on to the next workout, right? I mean, I I really, I mean, I I haven't missed a ton of workouts, but I've, you know, there are times where you either miss or you fail one. And I I do move behind that pretty quickly because it's not just one workout workout that, uh, that makes or breaks you know, your training. So when you talk about missing workouts or you said, or a fail, you failed mm-hmm. one, what does mm-hmm. that mean to fail a workout to you? I mean, to me, it was just, you don't hit, you know, you don't hit what is prescribed or you stop like, um, just even before, um, before worlds, I had a, I don't know, it was like a midweek workout and I chose to do it. It was like one of those random hot fall evenings where it was like 90 degrees at 6 p.m. And I said, well, that's good training for Doha. Let's go out and do this workout. And I had to stop like a little over halfway through it and I couldn't complete it. And it was hard, but I told myself, hey, this is what it is. Just move on the next day. You can't dwell on it. So... All right. So I very much idolize your whole, like, you seem just chill about stuff and like but but like badass chill which is so cool is that something is that how roberta groner has always been or is this something you've worked on something i've worked on definitely not always been that way um but i think maturity i don't know if it's like just becoming a more mature person I, i really felt like i came into my own in my later 30s i don't know if it's life divorce like we all like life life happens things happen in your life that you don't expect or didn't plan but I think all these things like help you, like I said, help me more focused on just not stressing so much about the little things because they're out of your control. Yeah. So full-time nurse, three kids, badass runner. Earlier you mentioned the ungodly hour of 4.30 a.m. Talk to me about when you're doing this running. 
what am I doing the running? Um, yeah. So generally in the peak of the training, when I'm putting a lot of miles in it's mornings and then midday, um, I will take my easy run during my lunch break at work. So, um, in the summertime though, it was kind of nice for worlds because the kids don't have school. So I had a little bit more luxury. I didn't have to be back home by 6am to get moving them moving. So I was hard to transition once school started this year. So I, I worked close to where they where they go to school. So I have an hour in between dropping them off for school. So I was doing a lot of my running in that hour <laughs> um, if I could. So, um, but generally like for New York in the next couple of weeks, it will be like 4.35 a.m. runs um, before school when I have the kids. And they're and old then, enough that they, they're fine yeah. being home. Now. Yeah, they're like, yeah. I have teenage boys. They're 12, 13, and almost 16. So I carry my, you know, I have my Apple Watch on me or my phone. Um, so they're pretty good with that. And then I have them 50% of the time. So the other 50% of the time, I could really focus on running when it's more conducive for me in the evening if I want to, or, you know, if I can meet up with somebody for a run, that's great too, you know, that can help out with training. So. All right. So since we're talking about uh, your kids, which I love, mm-hmm. I want to bring up something that I read. You did an interview with Aaron mm-hmm. Strout of Women's Running, mm-hmm. who I love. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned after Rotterdam, you said you read a lot of messages on social media, assuming there was, quote, this mm-hmm. is not my words, quote, saying there was no way you could be a good mother mm-hmm. and that what you're doing is selfish, which mm-hmm. first of all, ew, to those people, that mm-hmm. makes me like curl my toes in rage. Um, yeah. But secondly, what do you tell those people? I mean, they're they're trolls. They're not worth anyone's time. Yeah. But let's say maybe they're open-minded trolls and they're listening to this episode and they're willing to listen. What would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, um, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm a selfish person. I feel like I'm teaching my children life lessons and, you know, that if you love to do something passionately and you work hard at it, you can see good, something successful comes from it. It may not be at a world level, but if it brings you happiness and you work hard and you feel good about your goals, like that's all that matters. And, uh, no, I mean, like, I, I don't feel like I'm selfish. I mean, yes, I may run before they wake up in the morning. I'm rarely running. I, I don't even, I don't run after when I have them in the evenings, it's them, it's my time with them. So, you know, I don't know, I, I, I don't really care what other people think, but like, I feel like I give my children really good life lessons is they have someone, a role model to look up to. And, you know, yeah, maybe I run 10 to 12 hours a week, but who isn't out playing golf, you know, or doing something they love to do, um, you know, that's a parent, you know, that's a couple hours a week, you know. Well, I think it's the most badass thing ever. And I like to picture you coming off, stepping off a plane. And I'm sure <laughs> your boys are just in absolute awe. Like they, do they yeah. know that your mom, their mom's like a total badass? Oh yeah. I mean, I they, they, yeah, they're, they, they were sending me articles that they were finding and <laughs> you know, they were busy that like, cause it was a 5 PM on a Friday. So two had baseball and one had marching band cause it's a Friday night high school football game. So they really couldn't like watch, but you know, they were in tune and sending me messages and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's cute. I came home and my youngest son, he's like, well, he's like, mama, you know, my closest friends know that you're like really, really good runner. He's like, but like some of the other people I didn't really tell, which I understand, you know, they're teenage boys. They're not going to talk about me all the time. He's like, yeah, they were like, they were like, really like your mom, she just placed like six of the worlds. It's amazing. Like all this stuff. So, you know, I think, um, you know, they get it, but you know, I, I think those were hard messages. I did read them. But then, like I said, they don't know who I am and they're only going off of whatever judgment they, they want to have on somebody. So, um, 
my kids are very, very, very um, in tune with it all. And they know that I'm there for them. And we have, when we're together, we spend our time together. Um, you know, we're always doing something or hiking or, you know, it's just spending quality time together. So it's great when I have them and we appreciate each other, you know, because we, we only have our, each other 50% of the time. So I always make sure in that time that I give them all that I can. So. Well, I hate to give voices like that any type of yeah. amplification, but I also love your message from it. And I think it's an important one to all the parents out there that yeah. no one knows what you're doing and no one, you know, we're we're all doing an awesome job, not the mean people. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I just think it's really important that, you know, I'm a, I'm a new mom myself. And yeah. I know I struggled early on feeling guilty when I would go out for my runs. <laughs> and it took a lot of my good friends reassuring me that yeah. running is not selfish. Running yeah. isn't being away from your kid for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it mm -hmm. is, doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you a better one. Mm -hmm. So um, I appreciate that message from you. And um, yeah. I think it's an important one for everyone to hear. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So before we sprint to the finish, I want to ask you one last thing, which is, you know, I know I'm like gushing over you right now, no. but I think you're the coolest. Thank you. Um, you know, you're an incredible role model, not just to your children, but to your peers as well, to me, mm -hmm. to everyone listening. What kind of legacy do you hope you're creating for yourself? I don't really think about creating a legacy. I just, you know, I think we always think about if you can touch one person and I feel like, you know, for me, it's like, like you said, like I get a message from a mother from Australia, you know, that like is inspired and has three children and is running again. And, you know, it's just about like, you just don't know. And just, you, you know, follow your passion and like, and you just don't know what that's going to bring to you. But if you're, if you're passionate and you love it to do something and you work hard and you're determined, like you just don't know what's going to happen. So live in the moment and do it. And, uh, but like no legacy, I just want people to, believe in themselves, you know, and, and like I said, yeah, I'm always a big fan of like hard work, um, shows success if you, you know, if you do the work. So, you know, as soon as I finished asking that question, I knew you were going to be like, I don't think about it. Cause I'm cool. I'm like, whatever. Um, but I do hope you know that you are creating a really amazing and inspiring legacy. And I think that one thing that from our conversation is really standing out to me is that you did step away from running for a long mm -hmm. time and you came back to it. So when you're talking about these passions, I think it's important to note that passions might change. They yes. might come and go. They're not gone from your life forever if you want them to be a part of your life. So I think it's cool that you, you know, you didn't force it during that time. You took the time and damn, look at the comeback. I know. Like I, and sometimes, yeah, I think about that. I'm like, cause I would in high school and college when my coach would be like, go out for a double. I'd be like the one that's like, I'm not running a second time today. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, I, I just, it's, I love to do it. It's part of my day. And it's also a social thing. Like you talk about, like you go out with a friend, like that's also for me too. Like, it's like, I hope to, when I get to run and I've met, I moved to New Jersey knowing not one person and I have the most met the most amazing people through running you know like they've touched my lives just as much as I I guess I touched their lives you know so it's it's an amazing experience so well and you know speaking of legacy I feel like everyone that I talked to I moved to New Jersey 
four years ago. Okay. Everyone that I talked to it has a different like how they know Roberta Groner's story. <laughs> so, you know, you've got your local legacy yeah, too, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yes. It's kind of right. how the funny how the world is and how like you meet people through different people. So Well, and especially great. the running world. I think that's yes. what's so special about it. And I just this is yeah. a great, great place to be a runner. Absolutely. All right. Are you ready to sprint to the finish? Ooh, this is pressure. I so, don't know. Listen, this is your thousand meters. Don't get beat by the Japanese woman. Exactly. Or, or the person that you actually lapped. I know. You know, don't let them catch you either. Yeah. All right, Roberta. All right. What would your last meal on earth be? Oh, boy. I know. I love food. This is the issue. I love all food. Probably, I'm going to say my mother's cinnamon rolls. Ooh, yum. I would like those too. (laughs) Send extra. They're my favorite. (laughs) What is your favorite movie? Favorite movie? It's going to be something cheesy like Dirty Dancing. Ooh, that's not cheesy. That's classic. (laughs) It's classic. Favorite TV show? Oh, boy. I don't watch a ton of TV, but... I mean, right now, currently, I would say uh, something like, um, uh, what is it called? A Million Little Things? Is that oh, um, yeah. And so, it, and we got to wrap this up. It starts in six minutes, Roberta. Uh, yeah, I missed like the season <laughs> premiere because that was the last week when I was in Doha, uh, I think. Well, so. you know, good, good reason to miss it. So yeah. that's fair. <laughs> that's what DVR is for when yep. you're running in a world championship. I would yep. say that's why they created it. <laughs> All right. Tell me, what is the best thing about being a Jersey girl? Oh, since I'm not a true Jersey you girl, are. but I'm you are embrace I mean, it. I know, but I mean, like, I think, like, for me, I just I, I like the location of it, <laughs> like yeah. the shore. <laughs> I like I call it the shore, so I know I'm kind of a Jersey girl now, exactly. right? So I like being able to go to the shore because I'm, I'm an ocean person, um, and I do like. I mean, I don't go to a ton of diners, but I do like the diners. Love it. Yeah. Uh, where is your favorite place you've ever run? Mm favorite place I've ever run it's gonna be I have local favorite places so we go up into um Harriman State Park it's up in New York I love it because it's beautiful and there's I like I like challenging courses so it's hilly so it's one of my favorite places to run because it's kind of quiet lots of lakes there's seven lakes there so you, you go around all the different lakes and the hills so it's probably one of my favorite places to run locally uh, internet. I don't know. I can't think of anything else right now. That's the only thing popping in my head. Well, I don't know how we haven't seen you. We go to Harriman every yeah. weekend. Yeah, but not to run. We go to take our dog swimming in one of the seven lakes. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, we run there. We're just we're thinking about going there this weekend too. All right. Well, <laughs> next time you finish your run, come on down to Lake Sebago. That's okay. where we usually are. Find yeah. a little swimming hole. All right. What nice is your, this might be a loaded question, okay. but what's your favorite race you've ever done? Oh boy, this is hard. I know. See, this is the hard part. Favorite race I've ever done. I'm going to say New York. This is a tough (laughs) one. New York last year was, I I, I loved it. Um, And, but then something holds near and dear is CIM 2017. Um, Just something was magical that day, the whole race, how it came together in the finish. So, oh, it's a tough one. It's I'll kind of like a tie. Like a tie. It's We're okay. Tie. One of the races just has to lean in to get over yeah. the line a little bit. But yeah. We'll allow the tie. <laughs> okay. we'll, until we get the photo finish, we'll allow exactly. the tie. Exactly. Okay. 
Uh, do you have a race mantra other than the seven that were on the poster? Do you have a go-to for most yeah. races? I mean, I think I kind of like stole Desi's. It's probably rem- remember your whys. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. All right. I ask this to everyone. So we need to know, where did you have your first real kiss? I don't know. Let me think about this. How did I not know my first real kiss? Uh, it must not have been any more exciting. Sorry. Uh, what about your most recent kiss? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were in the desert. So it's obviously, you know, it's just fun, like desert by the sea. Pretty magical. So oh, I love that. Yeah. So what is something you think everyone should do at least once in their lives? Hmm. Once in their lives. I don't know. I just think it's all about being in the moment. So if you can just let go wherever you are and just be present, it's like the best feeling. I mean, that's what I like Saturday when we were in the desert, that's where I was at, you know, just being in not even it wasn't even caught up in worlds. It was just like sitting at the beach, staring at the ocean, just thinking about how happy we are to be in a, where we are in this world and alive. I think you should write a book. This is all very beautiful. <laughs> Start shopping you around to some publishers no, if any are listening. Write. I cannot write. I'll help like, you. Someone will have to write for me. I'll be I'll your ghostwriter. You It'll be yeah. fine. It's a journalism major. We got this. Yeah. Okay. What celebrity would you love to be stuck in an elevator with? I love Desi Linden. Oh, that's a good one. That'd be fun. She'd be funny. She would have yeah. whiskey and her I know, dogs. We would, yeah, we would definitely like drink between whiskey and wine. I don't know if she's a wine drinker, but I like I like I like wine and whiskey. Love that. Come out of the elevator all wasted, but sure, <laughs> be fun. Uh, what one word do you want to be remembered by? <sighs> Grateful. Oh, all right. I need you to tell me three things that you love about yourself. I love that I'm, I, I feel like I'm carefree. Like, um, I don't stress a lot, a lot of things. I think I, I like to smile a lot. <laughs> I'm always, I try to be happy, you know, like not try to be happy. I'm always trying to be in the moment. So I like that I smile and I'm carefree. And I also feel like I don't put a lot of pressure on myself. So whatever that is. So I don't know. These are the kind of things that I'm thinking of right now. Those are excellent reasons. And the last thing that I need is for you to give everyone listening a reason to run today. Oh, just for yourself. I don't know. Like just to get there for yourself. I think running to me is like my uh, meditation. I'm sure it is for most people though. But clear the mind, get out there, breathe in the fresh air. I love it. Well, here's to your next great meditation. Here's to New York, to the trials, to a lot of really good stuff coming up. I know that I am not alone when I say we are cheering for you and rooting for you and just love everything that you are and that you stand for. Keep doing it because you're just the coolest, Roberta. Thank you, Allie. Thank you. And I feel the love and support, believe me. It's been a little, I mean, like not overwhelming, but in a good overwhelming way. So, Well, we'll keep it coming then. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Alley on the Run show. And of course, huge thanks to Roberta for making this happen just a few days after running that incredible race at World Championships. She is an extraordinary woman, and I can't wait to see what she does next. 
If you're enjoying the Allie on the Run show, please let me know. I'm Allie on the Run one on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me on the Allie on the Run Facebook page. If you love the show, tell the world, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, or share it with a friend. Truly, the best way to get the word out and grow the Allie on the Run show community is by sharing it with your people. I bet your friends trust your judgment about at least some things. Let them trust you with podcast recommendations and tell them about the Alley on the Run show. Finally, let's give it up for our wonderful sponsor, Aftershocks, for making this episode possible and for making the very best wireless headphones for runners. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com for $50 off your pair. That's ontherun.aftershocks.com. Whether you're training for something big or you're getting out and running for fun, or both, keep doing exactly what makes you feel your best. And thanks for joining me on the run.